I'm going to share my screen. Here we go. All right. So tonight we are going to do a quick recap of Sunday, Sunday's message, and then we're going to get into the message for tonight, which will be followed by questions and answers, which um, we are all familiar with. So let's just jump in. So on a Sunday, we just talked about, we continued with uh, uh, the topic of mind, minding your business. And uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12 was our foundational scripture. And we really delved into um, the pieces that you see highlighted here. We talked about how Paul speaking to the Thessalonians being an, an infant congregation, an infant church, um, or a young church, I should say, that uh, he commended them for a lot of the things they were doing well, but he he wanted to urge them on in doing so, which was just an indication of the mandate on us to continue in our growth process, to continue in our maturity process. So that was the precedence that he set up front, that we, you know, that they mature, and we and we follow this same pattern. This is uh, not just Paul talking to, to the Thessalonians, but this is, um, I say, the Lord speaking to us even now because this word is relevant to where we are. And so there's a there's an urgency and a press for us to continue to mature. We'll never arrive. We'll never come to the end of our learning and we'll never come to the end of um, transforming because none of it is a one time situation. It's always constant. It should always be going on until, you know, we, we, until our last breath. So we need to keep, um, excelling in all of the things that are of God. And on top of that, as we take on the mind and the heart to mature, that we also make it our ambition to live quietly and peacefully. Now in the King James version, I love the way it's worded. It's, it says to study, to be quiet. And we, we learned on, um, Sunday that to study means to, to, um, not just to study in terms of looking at something and, and becoming a master of it, so to speak, but to rest from something, to, to pull back from something or to, to make sure that you're close to God's, um, and married to God's intent concerning something. So studying to be quiet means to rest in hushing, rest in knowing to to um, not always give a comment about something, not always responding to something, not always having to have something to say or for us to have something to post or always trying to enter into an argument or a debate or something of that nature. Sometimes it is just best to hush be quiet. And even if things aren't going right, even if things aren't, um, even if things are contrary to God's mandate and his standard, sometimes he needs us to hush and be quiet because he's working it out in a very different way than we might be aware of. So um, there is a press for us to study, to be quiet and to be peaceful. Um, that is just God's heart. He, he did not send us to cause any angst and um, uproar and confusion and any of that in the communities that we find ourselves in. We need to, we need to definitely practice 
um, and study to be quiet and to be peaceful. On top of that, on top of um, embracing maturity, on top of studying to be quiet and having the discernment to know um, when not to enter into uh, discussions and things of that nature and being peaceful, we need to mind our own affairs, which is just an extension of what we just talked about. Minding our own affairs is, is essentially us taking our energy, efforts, resources, and everything that's been entrusted to us and, and focusing on the assignment that we've been given, whatever that might be. And so that's personal. It has nothing to do, um, so to speak, with anyone else. God has given us all a measure of faith. If you go to Romans 12, you'll see that he's also given us uh, specific, specific gifts and he intends for us to use that measure of faith. He expects us to use the gifts that he's given us, not just for spiritual things, but also for natural and practical things. And so we need to mind those affairs, that business that pertains to us. And even when you go over, um, I forgot what what particular scripture it is, but when Paul is talking about work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, he didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't urging them to be in the midst of somebody else's relationship with God. He was, he was explaining to them that you need to be giving your attention to what pertains to you. So that's just an example of working out your salvation, but here minding your own business, it boils it. And really for this, I don't feel like it really needs a lot of explanation because in and of itself, it explains what it means. Mind your own affairs, whatever pertains to you. And on top of that, we, we look at the scripture where it says to work with your hands. Now, if you remember when he was talking to the Thessalonians, there were a lot of, a lot of them who were convinced and they were, it was error, but he had to, he had to get them straightened out about it. A lot of them felt that because um, Christ's return was imminent, like really right on the, they were really right on the crux of it, that they didn't have to work. They just figured, you know what, we'll just, we'll just lean and depend on the free will of everybody else and the work of everybody else on the, you know, on the offerings of the church and anybody who would be willing to help out they felt like we'll, we'll live that way and we won't work. But Paul was reinforcing to them, listen, if you don't work, you don't eat. If you don't work, you don't eat. You have to use your hands to even do natural things um, and as, as being a child of God. So there's, it's more than spiritual. It's more than being prophetic. It's more than um, all these things religion has made it. We need, to, we need to be minding our affairs, both natural and spiritual, because we are a complete um, person. We're not just one-sided. There is no duality. We are one person. We are individuals who God has, has placed his spirit on the inside of, and we have to operate in this world. We have to live in this world. And so we need to be making sure we're minding those affairs pertaining to us and working with our hands. Um, one of the things that I pointed out uh, specific to this part, working with your hands, um, I'm sorry, not this part, but as you go down to the end of this uh, verse, it talks about doing these things helps us to represent Christ in a way to where those who are not saved 
will be drawn by what we're exhibiting. They'll be drawn by the character, the, the reputation. They'll be drawn by how we conduct ourselves and behave, and they will be drawn to Christ. And, you know, prayerfully, they'll be um, pulled into the family as well, by, just by our demonstration. And it goes on to talk about not only are we doing all those things that are highlighted, um, to win people to Christ, but also so that we can be self-sufficient, not just individually, but as the body of Christ and as the church that we not be people, not be an entity, not be a body that is leaning and depending on Babylon, leaning and depending on the world to give us what we need. We are the body is, the community is God's idea. And so everything that he spoke from the beginning of time, everything that he created, it, he, he is in it. And so he has, he has given us the ability to be self-sustaining, self-supporting as the church, as the body of Christ. And we need to set that example because if we are always going to Babylon asking for, uh, with our hands out and asking them to support what we're doing, then we will not be able to stand in a place of stability and as a pillar to, sh to, to show them who God is, because that is, in my opinion, it definitely is uh, a characteristic of God, where it, there's stability, where there's uh, uh, self-sustaining um, self ability, and just being able to support what he's given. Um, and sustain it. So that's uh, the, that was the foundational scripture that we talked about on Sunday. Um, and I just here, I'm not going to go through everything we talked about, but I wanted to really pull this back out because this was this was a phenomenal um, revelation. And some of you might have already known it, but when you go to um, First Thessalonians and you look at what Paul was talking about earlier on in chapter four and uh, verse five to be specific, where he says, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. And what he was talking about there was lust and how specific to sexual immorality with the Thessalonians, because their culture, uh, sexual immorality was rampant. And although they were doing well, he wanted to remind them of this because he did not want them to be pulled into that, um, that cultural, you know, temptation. And although sexual immorality is a sin, and he pointed it out specific to the Thessalonians, um, that is not the only sin that this is applicable to, this, this scripture is applicable to. So when he talks about lust in verse 5, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 5, we're talking about the root of sexual immorality and all, uh, and all kinds of other sins. And lust isn't just about sex. When you look at and you really study lust, you'll find that lust is an affliction of the mind, the emotions, and the passion. Essentially, it is, it is a sick mind. It is a mind that has a disease that is vile. And when we look at lust from this new perspective and this new understanding, we'll see that People who struggle with, with, with sexual immorality are not the only ones that are dealing with a sick or twisted mind. Everybody 
who is sinning and moving in a way that's contrary to God's uh, standards and mandates, it is it's lust. It is lust that carries us away. It is lust that causes us to move in a direction that's opposite from God's heart for us. Um, it could be a lust for, for power. It could be um, your mind is twisted concerning um, money. It could be trying to get fame and fortune. It could be, um, it could just be anything, you know, using people. It could be manipulation and deception. I don't, people um, just overtaken with, with lying just for no reason. It's, it's, there's something, there's an appetite in um, the flesh that causes the mind to be so twisted that it is not operating according to how God created it. And so if we, if we do not deal with our minds, and if we do not bring our minds into a place of alignment with God's heart, with his intent, and if we do not, as the Bible tells us and um in 1 Corinthians 2 and 16, that we have the mind of Christ. If we do not allow the mind of Christ to be activated in us, if we do not cause ourselves to come into a place of purity and a renewing of our mind and being transformed, we will always operate out of this, out of this affliction. We will always operate out of this place of, of sickness and disease in our minds and we'll always produce things that are not conducive to God's plan for us. And you, the, the word for the Greek word for lust is pathos, where we get pathology from, which I thought was phenomenal because pathology is really about um, looking at things that have departed from their normal condition. It's, it's the it's, it's abnormality, abnormalities and uh, malfunctions of the mental, social and, and uh, linguistic areas. And so when you look at people's appetite and things that they're doing, the behaviors that are generated out of their mind and their emotions, and we know that they're twisted, that is what we're talking about. It's, it's, it's lust. It's lust. So I'm not going to go into that any further, but just do your own study and look into that and see what you find. And I would just even suggest um, doing, and I love patterns and outlines and things of that nature. See where you personally are with this so that you can you can make any course corrections that are necessary to ensure that your mind is in a place where you can truly mind the business that God gave you. Amen. So that is, and, and these were just the last two scriptures we talked about um, on Sunday with minding your business. And this was part of our foundational scriptures where um, and I, and I kind of already talked about these things, but it was just a, another reminder that we need to make sure that we are, we are growing, we have embraced maturity, that we are studying to be quiet, and we're, we're doing our due diligence to live peacefully, um, and that we're minding the business God gave us, we're working with our hands, and we're doing all this to um, exhibit who God is, so that people can be reconciled to God, that the original relationship between God and man can be restored, which Jesus came and did, but we have to actually accept what he did so that those who don't know that they will know through our example and that um, everything that we've done before um, verse 12, where it talks about, you know, showing forth all of the good character and the more courage, so on and so forth, and being self-sufficient. So all of those things come together 
to, to actually demonstrate that we are minding our business. So this is a pattern that we can look to, to actually do what we've been called to do. And I think that's it for our recap really quick. So tonight we are going to talk about minding our business from a reproduction standpoint. Um, this is this is huge, and like I said on Sunday, this entire topic, minding your business, could go in so many different directions. Um, man, I, I mean, we could spend probably a year on this subject, but I was just, you know, trying to pull out things that that I believe were are important to us as we navigate as a community through the rest of this year and as we're moving into. Um, 2022. So tonight we're going to talk about reproduction. And I use this picture because when we think about um, the beginning, when we go back to Genesis and we think about how God created us in likeness and image, and then the mandate he gave to mankind, it it, it truly is it, it's synonymous with um, minding our business. When, when, he, when he made mankind, when God made mankind, when he made Adam and Eve, his whole intent was for family, right? And so everything that he did and everything that he does was about community. And if we are not in a predicament or a place where we have gotten our mind um, stable and we've, we've gotten our mind pure and clear, we won't be able to do the things that we've been called to do. And then we will be hindered from reproducing likeness and image. And so that's what we're going to talk about um, on tonight. So this is, this is our foundational scripture. And I just want to go into this a little bit. Um, we, we all know this scripture when uh, Mary and Joseph took Jesus up to Jerusalem. And um, I'm sorry, I think, I believe it was Jerusalem, but when they made the trip up and on the way back from the, you know, from their doing their due diligence for, for the, their annual visit, they did not find Jesus with them. And so they got, they panicked. They were trying to figure out where he was. They go back and they find him sitting and learning and asking questions um, amongst the, uh, the, the, the doctors, the scribes, you know, the, the wise men that were there. And so this is where we find ourselves here. And the Bible says, and he said to them, when they asked them, you know, why did you do this to us? Why did you, you know, just stay behind and, you know, put us in a frenzy like you did? And he said to them, how is it that you had to look for me? Did you not see and know that it's necessary as a duty for me to be in my father's house and occupied about my father's business? But they did not comprehend what he was saying to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was habitually obedient to them. And his mother kept and closely and persistently guarded all, the, all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and broad and full understanding and in stature and years and in favor with God and man. And what I want to do, I'm actually going to go back to Luke and I'm going to read right before that, just to give us just a little bit more context. Um, okay. 
Here it is. And when the day, when when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child of Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they saw him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they said to him, and they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, son, why hast thou dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said to them, how is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. And that's where we have the foundational scripture here. Now, this is important in terms of minding our business because we are likeness and image. And Jesus is our example, our number one, our chief example. And so even at this young age, Jesus had the mind and the appetite to do everything necessary to follow the path to do everything that God had ordained from the beginning for him. So he had the mind at this young age to do this. So it gives us, it gives us encouragement to know that we can do the very same thing. We need to follow his example. So he was so, he had such an appetite for what God wanted. He has such an appetite for what the father had ordained that even in this young age, he, he was drawn to the wisdom. He was drawn to the knowledge. He was drawn to the place um, where he would, one of the places where he would eventually preach and teach. So it was, it was innate in him. It was inherent in him. And so that appetite of God's heart and mind leading him, that's what caused him to, to be there asking questions, be in the midst, um, even responding and having dialogue and discourse with people who were much older than him. And, and, you know, by, you know, just natural means, um, from a natural perspective, were much, you know, wiser than he was much older and much wiser, but he was in the midst of them learning, taking it in, drawing it in, and just being in an environment that was conducive to what was in him coming out. That's an example for us on how we can begin to mind our business. He, even at this young age, he was, he was learning to master his portion. And even though he had to go back with his parents because he had to submit to them and he had to be, you know, raised and all of that until he became an adult, he increased in wisdom and broad, broad and full understanding and in stature, you know, he grew up and in years and in favor with God. Over time, again, Jesus postured himself to learn to grow wise, to grow strong, to grow stable in his portion so that when God released him, when the fullness of time had come, he would be able, he would be well-equipped to actually walk it out without having any lack. And so this is, this is why this is our focus, um, or our foundation for this evening. He was doing what was necessary to be about God's business. And at the end of the day, when we decide that we, um, we, at the end of the day, if we mind our business accordingly, it will equate to the father's business. I hope that makes sense to you. If we mind our business, it will actually equate to minding the father's business because what we're doing is what he gave us to do. So it's out of his heart.
and out of his mind. So here I, I did talk about Genesis in the beginning where God had created, had created us an, uh, an image and likeness. And when we go to John 1, 1, and we've heard this repeatedly over time, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. So Jesus was there in the beginning. And God, he created us in his likeness and image. And, and when we go to verse 28 in Genesis, we see that he didn't just create us in his image and likeness. He also gave a mandate to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue and have dominion. This is their business. This is our business even now throughout all these generations. It has not changed. It has not changed. Yes, Adam and Eve sinned. Yes, the relationship was broken, but Jesus Christ came and, he, and God sent him. He restored the relationship. And as we receive what he did, we are restored. The, re, the relationship is, is, is um, placed back into its original um, place. And we, we, are, we are put back into our original place in God and we are reconciled to him. The original relationship and standard is reconciled and is restored. And so once that happens, that same mandate is still stands. We are to be fruitful. We are to multiply. We are to subdue and have dominion. Now, this is something that you've heard me say before, but I pray that you really hear me even now. Jesus is the word and everything, because we were created in likeness and image, everything that comes forth out of him is a word. We are not the word, but we are a word sent from the word. So this is another reason why we have to mind our business, because as we individually do that, and we are all and we all come together, we actually create and demonstrate a more clear picture of who the word is. So we are each a specific, very unique word sent from the word. And so when you look at Isaiah 55, 11 and Jeremiah 1 and 12, those scriptures, when you read it from that perspective now, it says, my word shall not return to me void. And what that means is that we, are, as singular words sent out from, from the word, we have been sent to accomplish something. We have been sent to do something very specific in the earth. And from the beginning, God's intent was that whatever word we are individually, that we are to go out and accomplish that thing. And then collectively, it will produce God's intent. And um, also with Jeremiah 1 and 12, it says the same thing, pretty much that he watches over his word to perform it. So he's already spoken from the beginning, it's already done. We are, all we're doing in minding our business is walking it out in this natural realm. That's all we're doing. Now, there's a lot of people who did not mind their business and do what God put, put them in the earth to do. They've gone on um, and they did not actually walk it out. That doesn't mean that God's word was wrong or false or anything like that. We just never saw the manifestation of it. They never chose, they did not choose to embrace the fullness of what they had been given to do and they did not walk it out. That's no bearing on God's original prophetic word for that person. It's no bearing on what his intent was and is. It is just, it is just letting us know that 
certain people have made a decision from a tainted mind that they would not embrace, first of all, Christ. And then if they did embrace Christ, that they did not fully embrace everything that he had called and asked them to do. And so God has created us in image and likeness and his intent is for us to be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and have dominion. And he has already put things in place to ensure that we don't return void to him. And meaning that we don't, we, that we do walk out everything we've been given to do. He's given us everything necessary to perform everything that he's put in us. The Bible even gives us encouragement in Philippians 1 and 6, that every, the good work he started in us, that he will perform it. But we have to actually engage in the process. We have to buy in to his intent for us. We have to master, going back to the foundational scripture, we have to do like Jesus did and follow his example. And we have to let the appetite of God draw us into the situations, into the communities, into the places and around the, the people who are conducive to bringing forth the substance of God out of us so that we can start walking out what he intended from the beginning. The Bible tells us in um, 2 Corinthians 3, 2, 2, 3, that we're living epistles. That is just, that is saying again, it's just another reiteration of the fact that we are likeness and image. And so if we are likeness and image, we need to be doing the same, which we are, we need to be doing the same thing Jesus did. Everything Jesus did was intentional. Everything he did was from the place of ensuring that God's intent was walked out. Every decision he made was birthed from a mind that was aligned with the father. Everything he did, everything he said. John 5 and 19 tells us that Jesus said that the son doesn't do anything contrary to the father because he does everything he sees the father do. Is that our confession? If it is our confession, then we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are um, and not just confession, but if we know that we're actually doing it, then we know that we are, we are minding our business appropriately. John 6 and 38, Jesus said, I do the will of him who sent me. He did not do what he wanted to do. Yes, there were temptations. Yes, the, the culture was such that it could have pulled him into all types of different things that were contrary to God's heart. It could have pulled him all different kinds of ways, but he resolved in himself that he was going to do the will of the father. He was going to do the will of the father. He did not allow lust and, and an affliction of the mind to push him to do anything that would bring him off course that will cause him to move and be hindered in his assignment and be hindered in minding his business. In John 12 and 49, it says that uh, he doesn't speak of himself, but he speaks according to the father's instruction, even down to everything Jesus said to, to the people that he encountered along the way, walking out his assignment. He wasn't speaking of his own accord. He wasn't telling them things that he wanted them to hear to try to make himself renowned. He was he he just wanted them to connect with the father. And so everything father told him to say, that's what he said. 
his mind was so focused on God's intent that he made sure that even his speech, even his communication was in line and that he was able to mind his business. Mark 14, 36 is where we see where he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he's struggling, going back and forth. And in, in, in his humanity, wanted to sidestep death. That's, that's normal. What, when we go through stuff, we don't, that's hard. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to deal with the pressure. We don't want to deal with the, um, the inconveniences that minding our business might bring. We don't want to deal with the hardships that minding our business might bring. We don't want to deal with the things that are going to cause us not to, to uh, be happy and you know, feel you know, all jovial and all of that kind of stuff. We would rather sidestep that stuff or miss it. But Jesus, even in his even in his struggle, he was able to come to a place to say that not my will, nevertheless, not what I want, because I don't want to do this, but not my will, your will be done. He was able to, to contend with his, his inner turmoil and finally relinquish all of it and say, at the end of the day, I need to align with you, Father, because it is about your will and not mine. And in so doing, he was able to mind his business. When we go to Matthew 25, everybody knows about the parable of the talents. And um, this is just another example of what it means to multiply what we've been given. Um, let me go back. Jesus, everything he did, I've already said that he was, he, he was aligned with God's will. He was always pushed and thrust forward by what, what the father wanted. And he grew it. He grew it. We see Jesus was born. We see that he grew in stature and, and, and favor and wisdom. We see that the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness to be tempted. Um, and, 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 and everything that happened there, we see Jesus come out of the wilderness and begin his public ministry. We see him healing the sick. We see him raising the dead. We see him doing miracle signs and wonders. We see all of this going on. And, it, and, and as you look at it, you see how everything be, began to expand how he was fruitful, how the, the droves of people would come to hear him teach and preach. And no, no, everybody didn't get saved. Everybody didn't get reconciled to God, but some did. And there was an expansion. There was fruit that came forth. He multiplied what, what the father had given him. And he, and he took authority. He stood in who he was and he went forth to mind the business that he was given. And so when we come to Matthew 25, when the master gives these servants these various amounts of talents. There were only two who did what, they, what was asked of them. They took their portion. The one with the five didn't, um, you know, he went and he put it to the exchanges and he, he made more. The one with the two went to the exchanges and he made more. The, and we know the last one, he buried his talents. But listen, these two Within their realm, within their portion, they operated according to the instructions from the master, and they were able to um, fulfill the master's intent. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about reproducing. We are reproducing the intent of God when we mind our business. 
In John 15 and 16, it talks about bringing forth fruit and fruit that shall remain. The only way we can do that is all of the things we've been talking about over the course of this series, that we get our minds right, that we, that we renew our minds, that we operate out of a place of purity, and that we understand that it's, this is not about everything. Our entire existence is about God's intent and not our own. And so as we mind our business, we are able to multiply. We are able to expand what we've been given and we're able to produce in a way, we're able to re reproduce in a way that brings God into every situation that we're in, into every environment that we're in, and it will produce according to his intent. If you go back to Isaiah 55 and 11, Jeremiah 1 and 12, he said that he is going to make sure that his word is performed and it doesn't return void. When we agree, when we come into alignment with God's intent, this is where we begin to see the fruit and the fruit that shall remain. And this last one, John 17 and four, where Jesus said, I have finished the work that you sent me to do. And I love this scripture because he didn't have to do it. He didn't do a portion of it. Jesus did everything that God asked him to do. He, he had the opportunity to do what everybody else was doing. He had, he was, he was in situations where he could have, he could have really had a great departure from what his assignment was, but he stayed the course and he finished the work. And this is our mandate as well. This is how we come to the place of actual reproduction of image and likeness and God's intent in the earth. We have to make sure that what has been entrusted to us, that we master it, that we get in environments that help us to learn. And we're not just talking about spiritual things. I hope you, you hear what I've been reiterating. It's not just about spiritual things. God is, is put us in a, in a community that is teaching truth and, and reinforcing the fact that we need to be mature. We're getting our nourishment, our spiritual nourishment, not just from the community, but even as if we're doing our due diligence, we are in our word studying personally, which is giving us the spiritual nourishment we need to mind our business. On top of that, we need to be in environments and communities that are causing us to come into a place of wisdom, that's causing us to come into a place of um, critical thinking and strategy for the world around us. We cannot think that we can live in this world and not um, acquire the knowledge to be able to be successful according to God's um, definition of success. Yes, we can get saved and we can just ride salvation out till we, till we die. We can do that. But if you have the mind of Christ and you have an appetite for the Father's intent, there is something in you that's going to want to grow, that's going to want to mature, that's going to begin to search out the environments and the areas and the people in the, in the, in the communities that are, that are going to help you master what God has called you to so that you can begin to reproduce image and likeness in those areas, be it industry, be it family, be it neighborhoods, be it church, wherever it is, 
this is the mandate that you mind your business because in so doing, you are able to reproduce. I hope that makes sense. This is what it's all about. And um, here I use this picture again because I, I just love what it speaks. If we, this is an entire city. This is an entire city. Um, but this focal point is, is an individual snapshot of the city. And what that represents is what, the, what an individual's responsibilities are. And if each person pays attention to, builds, multiplies, and expands what their individual focus is supposed to be, their assignment, the things that God has entrusted to them. If we all do that, then the kingdom of God will begin to expand. And when we talk about reconciliation, we will really begin to see the image of Christ, the, 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 the heart of God being on display so that more and more people will come to him, will be drawn to him. The Bible tells us that, that, that if we lift him up, that he will draw all men unto him. He didn't say if we lift us up, if we lift something else up, but if we lift him up, he will draw all men unto him. And so this is how we reproduce if we focus on our individual assignments, using the measure of faith we've been given and the gifts we've been given, both from a spiritual perspective and a practical perspective, we will be able to reproduce according to God's intent. And we will be able to, as um, we've heard Apostle Teresa say multiple times, building cities, we will be able to build what God intended and that will draw the people. We're not building Babylon. We are building the kingdom and we need to make sure that we focus our energies, our efforts, our, our finances, our resources, everything that we have towards this end of making sure that we reproduce Christ so that people can be reconciled unto the father and they then can go on to mind the business that God has entrusted to them. This is not an individual thing. And although I've been talking about, talking about it in some respects from an individual perspective, it's only for us to pay attention to what we need to do and also understand what our individual um, contribution looks like when it's joined with other individual contributions to make the whole. If we don't understand what's happening individually, we're not going to understand what's happening collectively. It's, it's an interdependence that's going on. And so we have to make sure that we understand all of those pieces. So that is that. Um, you've, seen this, you've seen this graphic before. I've added some stuff to it. And um, I'm just going to, I'm not going to go through the left side because you, we are all familiar with that, our predisposed nature, sin nature and life happening and all of that. But God's will is what we're after, his intent. And when we make Christ our filter, when we make him the, the, our go between our, the, the place that we go to, the, the person that we stand on, the one who is our all in all, then we can truly come to a place of producing all these things that are on the right hand side. And I love this because 
because the Lord is the door, the way, the life, the vine, the word, everything that we produce, if we make him our filter, will be just that. When we're in situations, because the Lord is the door, we will be able to open doors for people, to expose them to things that they never even considered. We're able to speak life in the name of Jesus concerning their situation where they thought it was just going to be death and damnation and hell and high water all the time. We are able to bring them into a place of seeing light when there's nothing, there's just been nothing but darkness and, and suffering and trauma and tragedy. We'll be able to help them come to a place of stability. Now, first, all of this has to happen for us. But then we are in a place of stability to where we can help others come to this place as well. We'll be able to come to the place of, of obedience and not just one instance, but it'll become our habit. We'll, we'll be able to bring people to a place of redemption. One of the things that I've learned is that we should never leave Christ on the cross. We should always end the story at a place of redemption. So when we're, when we're minding our business, we're making Christ our filter and, and we're dealing with people, we are able to show them and point them into the right direction and help them to see that although your situation seems um, dark, although your situation seems hopeless and helpless, there is redemption in this and it is Christ. We are able to help bring them to a place of being reconciled unto the father. We are able to bring them truth so that they can see any error or any mixture that has come in, whether it is from their predisposed situation or whether it's just because of what has happened in life and, and they have been having trouble getting past it. We're able to bring them into a place of encouragement and bring comfort and, and, and really reinforce the fact that unity is God's heart and that it is about family. So having a clear mind, having a pure mind, having a renewed mind, having Christ as our filter, the lens through which we view life and the, and the foundation from whence we advance to mind our business, these are the things that we will begin to produce in our own lives and in the lives of those, God sent, those that God sends us to, because this is what his heart is. So prayerfully, that is what's happening with us not just because of this series, but because we love God and we just want to be in a predicament and in a posture that is pleasing to him, not out of obligation, but just out of relationship, out of relationship, not out of religion, but out of relationship. We want to make Christ our filter. And this is what we don't want. We've talked about, we've talked about this. We don't want to make our predisposed situation, our life um, and everything that happened, we don't want to make that our filter because when we do, we know what it produces. And all of these things squander and hinder and dim the light of God. It, it, it derails the will of God and, and, and the full impact that God wants to make. Now, it doesn't, I mean, when I say that, I does, that doesn't mean that God is not operating when we do have a mixture in our filter. What I'm saying is that we get a lot of things that we don't want coming through and it hinders what um, God wants to do on a fuller scale. 
And some of these things, when you look at it, you can you can already say, you know, you've witnessed that or you've experienced that. I know I can raise both hands, both hands and both feet and say the same thing for me. There's a lot of things. And um, one of the things that uh, Prophet L.A. spoke about um, in her comments on Sunday was the unnecessary warfare. And I threw that up here, too, right here where when you're not minding your business and everything else, it, there's a mixture in your filter, you, you, and you're trying to address everybody and everything. Sometimes you are taking on unnecessary warfare that God didn't intend for you to be in. And so you're mad and upset and everything else. And it's, it's for no reason. And, and all of that causes confusion, torment, fear, death, chaos. Have you ever encountered a person who is so they're so lost in their mind and they're so afflicted in their mind that even in a pure environment, even in the midst of people who love them, even in the midst of truth, they can't, they don't know how to operate in that place of peace to the point where they begin to create drama. They begin to create instability. They begin to create chaos because they are so consumed by what has happened in their life that they don't know how to see any other way. This is why we have to reproduce Christ. We, this is why we have to always be demonstrating who he is because people need to know that they don't have to stay there. They don't have to stay in that condition. That's why it's such a mandate to mind our business. Prayerfully, this is making sense and resonating with you. Um, I'm going to go ahead and end. I think we're right about 8.30. But I've been, throughout the course of this series, I've been asking some of the same questions and it's been intentional because I want us to really, we should never enter into a place of learning haphazardly. We should always enter in ready to learn, ready to receive, ready to take something and run with it and begin to implement. And so these questions I continue to ask and I'm going to ask tonight in the midst of this series, Mind Your Business, in the midst of each week that we've, we've been talking, whether it's Sunday service or Bible study, I've been asking you, what is the condition of your mind and what is it producing? Tonight, I've put re in front of that. So what is it reproducing? Um, but the whole point of asking these questions is for us to, to assess our mind because it is so imperative that we get that part straight because the business that we've been given, the assignments we've been given, the entrustments that have been given to us are so um, significant to the advancement of the kingdom of God and so significant to demonstrating who Christ is and showing the world the picture of him, his loving kindness, showing the world his heart, showing the world that he's, he's not a God that just wants to open up the earth and swallow everybody up. We're in the New Testament now. He has extended grace. He has extended mercy. That doesn't mean that there's not consequences to our sin. No, we, we you know, we're not just haphazardly doing anything and just, you know, using grace as an excuse. No, he is, he, he wants all to be saved. He wants all to be reconciled. We understand that that, that not going to happen, but he has, he wants to give people time to get it right. And so 
at the end of the day, we have to get our minds right and we have to get in our particular places in our, our, our respective industries, families, neighborhoods, so on and so forth, doing what he's given us to do so that those who are lost, they can, they can be reconciled unto the father. And not just that, even those who aren't lost, but they might have, and I, and I love how Apostle used this a couple of weeks ago, they might have lost their way and they just need to be encouraged back into their rightful place as a son. And so if, if nobody is in their lane, if nobody is minding their business, if everybody is just willy-nilly, what happens to the body of Christ and what happens to the world? What happens? So I pray that, that um, this series has blessed you. I pray that you were able to get something, whether it was one nugget or it was a huge, a huge, um, and more than a nugget, just a lot. I don't know in, in between whatever you got. I pray that it was enough for you to run with it, grow it, multiply it, and really begin to walk out what God has given you to do with conviction, with an urgency. Because when you go back to what we've been getting and the and the warning about not for fear, but for pre preparation the warnings about what is getting ready to happen and the direction the world is going in, we, it, 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 it lets us know that we definitely have to be paying attention and we have to be ensuring that our arsenal is up to par so that we are ready for what is coming. So that is all I have. I am going to stop the recording and we can jump into some questions and answers. Yes. Listen, prophet, this is Apostle Johnson. I yes. want to tell you, I have no words for how much I've enjoyed the teaching the last two weeks. I have been fed. I have been strengthened. But it was something you said tonight that I never really considered. And it really jumped out at me. It's when you were talking about Jesus. And we already know that, you know, that he was learned and had to grow in knowledge and things like that. But the thing that dropped out, you know, I love that you brought that out and expounded on it because I just think we need to look at how he, the life he led, you know, as a child, and then he grew up to become a man. And we know that his ministry began around the age 30. We know that he was immersed all that time and that there was no sin found in him. God forbid, I wish that was our story, but it's not. But the part that got me was that when you were talking about how he fulfilled everything that he was set out, sent out to do. And this is the thing. He did it in three years. He did it in three years. And I, and, and that, that part, we know it was supernatural. We know it was Jesus, but the thing is he did everything he set out to do and he did it so well that it is continuing. And every day, everything that we do, everything you do, I do, everything every other genuine believer does is perpetuating what he did in that three-year span. And my point of bringing that up in what the apostle, or what the prophet was sharing, my point in bringing that up is simply to say that um, our impact is beyond us. Our impact is 
not just about what we see in our own lives as success and as finishing and as God getting the best out of it. Our impact, if we are obedient, has a, a lot, has eternal implications, just like the life of Jesus had he has and will continue to have eternal um, implications for us. And its, its impact is collective, corporate, not individualistic. And it just blessed me to be able to hear that in the message tonight. I mean, there's a lot, a lot, a lot to draw from it. But when it co comes to minding your own business, I just say we have to mind it just like you said, like we're losing our minds. The Apostle Paul said that um, if we lose, our, it's for your sake that we lose our minds. It's, I mean, literally, that we lose our minds, lose our minds. And I just believe that some of us haven't gotten to that place where we've lost our mind. And thank you, Prophet. So rich, such a mature teaching, such death to it. And I just, just speak blessings over you. I want to thank you for just releasing and sharing every single time I ask is never a question. It's like, how can I rearrange my schedule to serve? And I just want to thank you. I want to thank you because it, it just blesses me to see the word that's pouring from you in this hour. And I am just grateful. And thank you, you all. I'm done. But I'm, I had to write some notes on that. And it just opened up something in me. I don't know what God's going to do with it right now. Maybe nothing. It may just be for my learning. But that part blessed me. And I pray that it encourages you all because whether we start our ministry, whether we blossom on time, whether we blossom late, there is still something the Lord has for us to accomplish in our right now. God bless you all. And again, thank you, Prophet. Amen. It is an honor to serve our community. I appreciate y'all um, listening and tuning in and I appreciate the opportunity to, to uh, bring the word. And, and thank you for sharing, Apostle. Anybody else want to share comments, questions, anything resonate with you, please unmute your mic and go ahead and share. Don't everybody speak at once. Hi, Prophet Andrew. This is Chiquita. Um, thank you again so much um, for your teaching. Um, you know, as you were teaching tonight, I made some connections to some other teachings you had before. The one where you talked about <clears throat> um, your head in the clouds and Apostle Teresa just talked about losing our minds. And I just see the connection between the two because um, losing our minds, the mind, if we don't have this mind of Christ that's in us, then we need to lose that. But also in the other teaching you had, you, you talked about, yes, we do need to lose that. We need to get our mind in the cloud. We need to ascend in our thinking. Um, so I, I'm just making the connection between there's always a connection uh, in your teaching when I go back and look at the notes. Um, I'm going to give this example. It seems very simple, but uh, Apostle Teresa just talked about it, and you talked about it as well, the impact. Um, the other day I was dropping my daughter off, and at this particular time in school, you know, you get in the car line, but I noticed there were like, 
there were so many cars, more than before, probably triple the amount of cars where people usually drop off. And um, it, I, I noticed it and I said, this is very odd because normally when I drop off my daughter, there are cars there, but there, there's not a significant amount. So as, as I'm coming down the road and I'm turning into the parking lot, I noticed that the line is not moving. And I'm saying, wow, this is supposed to be a quick drop off. But as I'm turning around the bend, I notice there's a car, the car that's just sitting there. It's not moving forward so much so that it's backed up traffic onto the main street because that person, for whatever reason, is still in the car talking to their child. They're just they're just holding up the line. And in that moment, I thought this is what happens. You know, I don't know if I had an epiphany, but this is what happens to us sometimes that we don't proceed and we keep our head, keep our eyes on the road in front of us and proceed in advance. We end up holding up other people um, from proceeding and moving forward as well. It it was just so crystal clear. And I wish at that moment I had like used my phone um, because I had some reflections on that moment that I saw to just maybe do some note taking with my phone. But it hit, it just really hit me. This is what happens when we are not focused and moving ahead and we get sidetracked or we have uh, something that gets in the way of, of us moving ahead and staying, staying in our lane. We hold up other people as well from proceeding and being progressive and doing what they need to do. But it was so crystal clear to me um, about the impact that one person can have on this long line, the, I mean, the imagery was just, it was so, um, all this traffic was backed up and I could see this one car just stand, just sitting there for whatever reason, I'm not knowing that they're holding up other people, but I just wanted to share that and just thank you for, um, again, for your teaching, the connection from Sunday, from last Sunday, it's all been really uh, impactful, a lot to, to digest, but we can do it. Um, and I especially like what you said at the end, when you talked about what is your mind reproducing, reproducing, and it just takes me back to all of the scripture that there's so many times, even as a young person, Jesus talked about, I'm, a, I'm being about my father's business. <laughs> and my, my mother used to say that to me all the time when she would talk about Thessalonians. She, she, would, she would say, I didn't know what she was talking about. She would just say, are you minding your business? Are you minding your business? And then she would quote the scripture and I'd be like, oh, yeah, of course I'm minding my business. But, you know, as I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm studying and researching the scripture and trying to 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 mature, it's becoming even more impactful um, to me in my life. So thank you again for your teaching. Um, It's just it's just awesome. Just I just I love it. I love it. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for that beautiful analogy. That was that was wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Anybody else want to share? Blessings, everybody. I really love that analogy as well, Prophet Andrea, uh, that is it, uh, Shakita just said. Uh, that was awesome because um, I was thinking about when you mind people's business, I was thinking about something similar. Um, say as everybody's on this path and everybody's moving on this conveyor belt and this conveyor belt is the path that the Lord has set us on. But, but think of somebody um not minding their business it's like they're plucking people off that path because now there's confusion now there's like she said people are being held up things are being blocked it's it's like the ramifications of not staying 
in our lane, as as uh, someone mentioned a, a moment ago, it it literally can de 